Welcome to my first podcast ever. I am your host, Andreas, and welcome on the Andreas Medicines podcast show. I have a special announcement. Thanks to Patricia. Patricia is a fan for the past four months, and she's been enjoying reading my articles, uh, which I wonder why, because they're very um, specific, and I guess in a very delicate niche. But thank you, Patricia, for your for being a fan and your support. I really do appreciate it. Actually, you're the reason why I've started podcasting right now. Thank you. My first topic will be the triggers that start puberty. What an, an interesting topic. Well, I think it's very interesting for the reason that puberty happens to everybody and it happens at different speed. It can start at different time. And we want to know why it does that. Why does it differ between individuals. Obviously, we have our genetic components, we have our environmental, we have other other reasons, but uh, it's going to be more looking at the reasoning and the effects that it has on the body and its triggers to start puberty. Introduction. Derived from the Latin word pubertas, which means age of maturity, manhood, and associated with the word pubes, meaning full-grown and manly. Puberty is not a single-time event and takes a long time throughout an individual's life. Puberty can also be defined as the ability to successfully reproduce and pass down the genetic codes to an offspring. And I believe that's particularly important because without puberty, we wouldn't be able to pass down our genetics as our spermatozoids and oocytes wouldn't be uh, mature and be able to fertilize with each other if we don't go through puberty. So it's really important to keep, uh, I guess, humanity afloat, in other words. Factors that influence the timing to puberty are hormonal, genetics, nutritional, and environmental. Puberty is thus extremely important for humans to carry on our legacy and humanity's survival. So the important questions are when, why, and how does puberty start? It's a very interesting topic. I remember I have cousins and my brothers and we all started, obviously uh, with our different ages, but we all started puberty at a different age, at a different time, at a different speed. It's um, Especially for me, when I went to a boarding school, all my friends, we were all the same age, but some of us were more developed than others. And uh, others, it took more time. So it's interesting to see why. Well, why does puberty why is it different between individuals and you know why what does it start in females to be able to demonstrate fertility can be a bit blurry for example the age of menarche which means when a woman has her first menses does not mean ovulation has occurred it is sufficient for the endometrium layer to be able to accept the blastocyst and have a successful implantation as it would make sense for the endometrium to be developed first before the body starts to ovulate. And that does make a lot of sense. The body would generally develop the endometrium first before ovulating. So when a woman has her first uh, menses or menstrual cycle, it does not mean she has ovulated or like she's, she is able to ovulate. This can take up from months to years to be able to ovulate and have a successful fertilization with a spermatozoa. However, menarche is definitely a sign of onset of puberty. 
The age of the first ovulation is difficult to observe, but is found to be in relation when the body is able to carry out pregnancy without dangerous side effects, meaning that the body knows somehow that it can perform the heavy metabolic cost of pregnancy and lactation, which is which are high in terms of energy. And it makes sense because I mean you are feeding another human being. The body is not going to start developing itself knowing that it cannot carry on uh, pregnancy. Ovulation is also in conjunction with the body size and weight, as that will be explained later. That's actually very important. We managed to find a link between uh, puberty and, uh, and weight, size, and nutrition, but it's very interesting. NML, the start of puberty is to be able to demonstrate an individual's first ejaculation. However, it does not mean fertility, as during the first ejaculation, it is generally azoospermic meaning it does not contain any spermatozoids. After some time, there will be sperm present, but again, it does not demonstrate fertility, as you need at least 50 million sperm per milliliter, and you need at least 2 milliliters to be able to fertilize an egg successfully. Having less than normal sperm count is considered to be oligozoospermic, and hence the individual is not fully fertile. When the age of having the minimum threshold of sperm count has been reached, the individual is thus achieved fertility. Just some definitions at the bottom. Azoospermic means a condition when there are no sperm in the semen. Blastocyst means is the outcome of an oocyte, so an egg, and a spermatozoa, successfully fertilization. So it's the combination of a sperm and an egg together. It is a ball of cells of about 64 cells, so it has gone under cell division and it is about five to seven days old. The first differentiation has occurred. The inner cell mass is now pluripotent and trophoblast cells are surrounding the cell mass. Endometrium, it is the tissue that lines the uterus and it is responsible for the site of implantation of the blastocyst. And if fertilization did not occur, it is the layer of tissue that gets shed away, which hence the menstrual cycle. Menses is the discharge from the uterus along with blood as sign of puberty in a young woman. And as explained earlier, it does not mean fertilization. Oligozoospermic, low sperm count with a low concentration. Our next chapter is the hypothalamus and puberty. So we're going to link what the hypothalamus, which is situated in the brain, has to do something with puberty. And yes, they do have something in common. Now, before I go on, there is a need to briefly talk about the hypothalamus and the development of the surge center. The hypothalamus regulates the onset of puberty, and there are many questions that arise from it. How does the hypothalamus know when to start puberty? What triggers it, and how? It all depends on the hypothalamic neurons to produce sufficient quantities of the gonadotropin-releasing hormone GNRH, for short, which will promote and support gametogenesis. So the, the fertilization, it will, it will support that. The important bit is that the hypothalamus functions differently between males and females, where in males, there is an absence of positive feedback of estrogen to act on the surge center. So if the release of GNRH promotes and supports puberty, what causes the hypothalamus to start releasing GnRH in the first place? And most importantly, why now and why not later during the years? Why is there a difference 
between each individuals. The search center development is different between males and females. In males, the testosterone from the fetal testes defeminizes the brain through inhibiting the surge center. Testosterone goes through the blood-brain barrier and is converted into estradiol, an estrogen steroid hormone, by the aromatase enzyme. Hence, the surge center does not develop. In the final set of outcome, estradiol is responsible for this process. So thanks for estradiol being converted from testosterone, it defeminizes the male brain. In females, the estradiol released from the fetal ovaries is bound to alpha-fetoprotein, which prevents estradiol to cross the blood-brain barrier. Hence, the lack of estradiol in the brain will not create defeminization of the brain and the development of the surge center will occur. So here's the clear difference between males and females. Males, we don't have a surge center like females do. Well, we may have a surge center, but it's defeminized. It does not develop compared to the female surge center, which is feminized. Okay, so females have a surge center and males do not. So what? What is the significance of that? It's actually really important. Males and females will display similar tonic basal concentration of a constant GnRH concentration that is controlled through negative feedback. Remember, GnRH is gonadotropin-releasing hormone. However, for females, there will be a pre-ovulatory burst, which is from the surge center. During puberty, the surge center in a woman will play a major role and is important for ovulation. The surge center is sensitive to positive feedback and will then release high-amplitude, high-frequency pulse of GnRH for a short period of time when estrogen has reached a certain level. The reason of estrogen reaching a level is from the granulosa cells converting androgens to estrogens after the dominant mature follicle, there is a huge positive feedback exerted by large increase in estrogen output. When there is a surge burst, consider the tap to be fully flowing for a short period of time instead of the constant few drops which represent the tonic basal layer. What is interesting is that estrogen acts in a negative feedback meaning that more estrogen, less follicular stimulating hormone, which is FSH, and luteinizing hormone, LH, and hence less estrogen. But that is not the case. Yes, there is a negative feedback. However, the more the single dominant follicle grows to become an egg and be ovulated and mature, the more estrogen it is releasing as more androgens are released from the thecal cells and the more there is androgen conversion to estrogen. This will go on until there is a, there's a reach estrogen threshold and a sudden positive feedback is initiated, releasing an LH surge and soon ovulation will occur. The surge center is thus extremely important in a woman going through puberty and for the rest of her life until she will be menopausal. Some definitions at the end of this chapter. Uh, gametogenesis is the process in which cells undergo meiosis to form gametes. GnRH is the gonadotropin-releasing hormone moves through the short bloodstream pathway to the anterior pituitary gland. There, it binds to the gonadotropic cells. These will produce gonadotropin hormones, such as the follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, and luteinizing hormone, LH. Hypothalamus 
located at the base of the brain, plays a crucial role in releasing hormones that will act on the anterior and posterior pituitary gland, helps in regulating body temperature. A positive feedback, the enhancing and amplification of an effect by its own influence, such as a baby suckling on its mother, will cause the mother to release more milk, so it has a positive feedback. A negative feedback is the diminution of effects by its own influence, such as a high level of hormone A, will cause a loop that will prevent further secretion of hormone A. What starts the onset of puberty? So far we talked about how the male's hypothalamus is defeminized and that the woman's hypothalamus is feminized and contains a surge center. We still have an important question to answer. If the hypothalamus is responsible for the onset of puberty, such as the process of releasing GnRH as it promotes and supports puberty, what causes the hypothalamus to start releasing GnRH in the first place? Why now and why not later during the years? Why is there a difference between each individual? The onset of puberty is not only limited to the gonads or anterior pituitary glands, as puberty depends on the release of gradual GnRH in sufficient quantities. In other words, it comes down to the maturation of hypothalamus. Before puberty, the GnRH neurons in the hypothalamus and the tonic centers are highly sensitive to negative feedback by the level of testosterone and estrogen, meaning a slight rise in concentration of these hormones will result in immediate negative feedback, which will bring down those levels. Those hormones being suppressed all the time have no effect on secondary sexual characteristics. The surge center is also not yet responsive to estrogen. How interesting is that? It means that, in a, in a way, GnRH is tightly regulated before puberty and it somehow loses that sensitivity. And when it loses sensitivity, an increase in GnRH, because of the negative feedback is not working as well as it should be, therefore you have an increase of GnRH and you have an increase of testosterone or LH or FSH in a woman. Now things are getting interesting. During the pubertal transition, the sensitivity of the GnRH neuron for the negative feedback starts to drop and slowly declines. A decline sensitivity negative feedback thus results in an increase of GnRH concentration from the tonic center in the bloodstream, meaning as time goes, you need more GnRH to initiate the negative feedback. The next question is, what causes the tonic center to lose its sensitivity to negative feedback? To answer this question, it is best understood in females rather than males. There is a clue with the amount of energy available that a person contains, such as the amount of fat a person has. As we talked earlier, pregnancy and lactation requires huge metabolic cost. At the end of the day, Another human being is being made for the mother's metabolic cost and there is a need afterwards to create food for the baby that will guarantee its success in its development. Hence, a certain amount of fat reserves are needed before the brain decides it is time to initiate puberty and develop its reproductive organs. How disastrous would it be if a woman's body got pregnant but the body itself cannot guarantee a fair chance of development which could endanger the mother's life in the process. It is not to say that fatness alone is responsible for promoting puberty, as young obese girls are not into any pre-pubertal stages. 
Reaching a threshold of body size and conditions such as the body mass index can also be a factor. The fatness and other metabolic signals may be the reason why there's a loss in sensitivity and initiation of GnRH pulse, and that may be affected by the concentration of glucose, leptin, or fatty acids in the blood. A lot of uncertainty, but it does make sense. There is a very interesting graph of the mean age of young women having their first menarche, so having their first menstrual cycle, during the past 180 years. Notice how it decreases in age and time as more countries improved on the quality and quantity of food. Hence, young women were more healthy and had sufficient energy and fat stores to start puberty at the young age. It is important to note that a critical weight of 47 kgs must be obtained to start puberty. However, it is not always the case. I think there is a take-home message. Puberty is a gradual process that starts at different age for different individuals. The gonadotropin-releasing hormone must somehow lose its sensitivity to negative feedback at the tonic center to estrogens for females and testosterone for males. The surge center is developed in females as the male hypothalamus has been defeminized and the surge center must have a positive feedback response to estrogen. Nutrition and body mass index plays a key role in the onset of puberty. Pinpointing key factors is difficult, as there are many scientific papers out there that talk about certain foods are responsible for the earlier onset of puberty. Genetics and different ethnicity could also be a factor and why some individuals start earlier or later. The environment an individual has been exposed to its whole life or the environment surrounding the mother during pregnancy and the child's growth could also be a factor. So how much of these factors play a role is also unknown. Still, the onset of puberty is an unknown and interesting topic. Well, I hope this wasn't too difficult or too much information at once. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. It is an interesting and an unknown topic. And I hope you found it interesting too.